This message is brought to you by the Tabernacle Baptist Church in Hickory, North Carolina. If you'd like to learn more about our ministries, we encourage you to visit us online at tabernaclehickory.org. That's tabernaclehickory.org. You can find our sermons on a number of platforms, including Apple iTunes, YouTube, and Sermon Audio. We trust that God will use this message to speak to your heart. So let's take our Bibles and go to the book of Acts. And uh, we come uh, back this evening to Acts chapter number uh, 27. The Bible says in verse number 9, Now when much time was spent and when sailing was now dangerous because the fast was now already past, Paul admonished them and said unto them, Sirs, I perceive that this voyage will be with hurt and much damage not only of the lading of the ship, but also of our lives. Nevertheless, the centurion believed the master and the owner of the ship more than those things which were spoken by Paul. And because the haven was not commodious to winter in, the more part advised to depart thence also, if by any means they might attain to Phoenice and there to winter which is in haven of Crete and lieth toward the southwest and northwest. And when the south wind blew softly, supposing that they had obtained their purpose, loosing thence, they sailed close by Crete. But not long after there arose against it a tempestuous wind called Eurachlodon. And when the ship was caught and could not bear up into the wind, we let her drive and running under a certain island, which is called Clauda, we had much work to come by the boat, which when they had taken up, they used helps, undergirding the ship and fearing lest they should fall into the quicksand, strake sail, and so were driven. And we, being exceedingly tossed with a tempest, the next day they lightened the ship, and the third day we cast out with our own hands the tackling of the ship. And when neither sun nor stars in many days appeared, and no small tempest lay on us, all hope that we should be saved was then taken away. We're living in a hopeless world, aren't we? Many are despairing. Even Christians who see the direction of our nation, who see what seems to be, from a human perspective, the victories of wickedness and falsehoods. Oftentimes when we see those things that we perceive to be true but are not, and we must remember that, we're on the winning side. We are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Do you believe that tonight? But sometimes it looks like we're on the losing team, and all hope sometimes seems to be lost. We noted a few weeks ago some thoughts from this passage. I just want to repeat them, and then we'll move forward. We saw, first of all, that they entered into the storm because of the deceptive voices of those who led them astray. 
Uh, Paul had warned them not to sail. It was the time of year when you would not embark upon such a journey. You would find a place to winter in, and you would stay there until the spring, and then leave when it was commodious to travel. But they felt the warm breeze of the south wind. And because they desired to get to a certain location, they went against what they knew to be true, hoping that they would get where they desired to go. And Paul warned them vigorously, don't go. This voyage will be a costly voyage. But in verse 11, the Bible says, nevertheless, the centurion believed the master and the owner of the ship more than those things which were spoken by Paul. Now, who was Paul? Paul was an apostle. He was a messenger of God. He was a man who God used to pin the scriptures. The apostle Paul is speaking here with authority. He's speaking truth. He is speaking common sense in a world that seemingly has lost their capacity for common sense. And what is he doing? He's warning them not to travel. But the Bible says that the centurion believed the master and the owner of the ship more than those things which were spoken by Paul. It certainly seems today like the deceptive voices of this world uh, are, are rising above in influence and in volume the voices of truth in this world today. Now, they rejected Paul's words, and we noted these things because they listened in verse 11 to the wrong counsel, because they were concerned in verse number 12 for their own comfort, because they followed the crowd, verse number 12, the Bible says, the more part advised to depart thence also. In other words, the majority prevailed. And then they yielded to the dictates of circumstance when the south wind blew. And because of these deceptive voices, they embarked further upon this dangerous journey. Then we noted secondly in verses 14 through 20 that they experienced destructive winds. Destructive winds came upon them. They should not have been surprised when these winds arose and caused great harm and great damage. They were, they were fearful for their life. They tried with their might to undergird the ship. They cast out the tackling of the ship. They began to cast out the cargo of the ship. This obviously was a ship that was carrying uh, goods from one destination or to the, to the next. And the Bible tells us in verse number 20, when the sun nor stars in many days appeared, no small tempest lay on us. All hope that we should be saved was then taken away. As we noted this passage, we noted some of the storms that are upon the horizon. The storms of the sexual revolution that are blowing uh, ever increasingly toward us. People who believe the Bible is the Word of God, who reject the notion that there are more than two genders and that you are free to marry anyone that you want to marry regardless of their sex. Those who stand for life and against abortion. Those who oppose the deception of the revisionist history 
that has come to our nation, those who stand upon the truths of God's Word and do not fall prey to the lies of science, falsely so-called as the Bible terms it, those who raise a voice against anarchy and violence in our nation. Those are the winds that are blowing. The forces behind those winds, as we noted, are the secularists of our day, the complicit news media, those who call themselves progressives, religious liberalism, which rejects the truths of God's word and portrays a Jesus that is not the Jesus of the Bible, the entertainment industry, are the forces behind this destructive storm that we face. And the destructive winds are blowing. I noted with you a few instances and some articles concerning uh, attacks on those of us who believe the Bible, attacks upon churches, namely when Beto O'Rourke, who was a candidate uh, for president in the Democratic primary, stated that uh, any church that believed marriage was between a man and a woman uh, should lose their tax-exempt status. That was said in a Democratic presidential debate. Not one candidate refuted what he said. Uh, we understand the climate of this age, the spirit of it. We noted that while the governor of Nevada called for all churches to be closed, the casinos in Nevada were opened during this pandemic. The Supreme Court upheld the governor of Nevada's mandate, and churches remained closed while casinos remained open. We noted that when this pandemic began, that we... I believed it was in the best interest of our congregation and in our community to stop meeting for a period of time. It was obviously a very difficult decision, but it was one that seemed appropriate at the time. As we have gone through this pandemic situation, opinions have varied even among God's people. We have heard so much information, much of which is contradictory and it's very difficult for people to ascertain the truth when you're in the midst of the storm what direction is the wind blowing from and where are the clouds coming for, to us from it can be very difficult to get your moorings and so there have been varied opinions upon that but when it became evident that it seemed that there was an overreach of power by officials in local governments, state governments, to keep churches from meeting, people began to raise their voices. And I'm grateful that we are able to meet. And I do believe we took the right course of action. There are those, by the way, who disagree with what we're doing tonight by meeting together. But as I heard this congregation sing just a moment ago, 
as the Spirit and presence of God moved among the people of God. I was so glad that I could be among God's people. And my greatest concern is that many will, in an effort to protect their physical health, and we should try to protect the physical health of our congregation, especially those uh, who are susceptible uh, to such things and also who uh, have risks that they're dealing with already with their health. And we certainly hold no one at fault who is not assembling with us right now because of their concerns for their health. We hold no one at fault for that. And I know many of our seniors have expressed to me with tears in their eyes and weeping in their voice that they long to be back together with God's people. And I know that when that's a, we're able to do that, they're able to do that, I know they'll be right here in their place. My concern for our church is not necessarily that those faithful people will not come back, but that many who have not deeply committed themselves to the Lord and his church will get used to not being here. People like Tom Rayner, who is a church consultant and writes many articles concerning the church and advises pastors across the country, says that a number of people will leave church and have left church through the pandemic and will never return. I trust that that won't be true of our church. And it hasn't necessarily been something that has been true, although there are families that I am concerned about. And I hope that you're concerned about them too. We must remember that God has commanded his church to assemble together. Forsake not the assembly of yourselves together as the manner of some is. And throughout history, people have hazarded their lives to meet together with God's people. They've been executed, beheaded, because they refused, jailed, imprisoned, because they refused a mandate not to meet. And so we see the destructive winds. So what will bear us up in the storm? And this is where we come to the third point, and this is where we left off last time. What will bear us up in the storm and what we need and what this world needs because they're going through the storm as we are, but we have something they don't have, a hope that is steadfast and sure. But as the storm rages, may God help us to bear witness of his truth so that many will be rescued from it. And so we note the third thing, that is divine truth. Divine truth. Notice it, if you would, please, in verse 21. But after long abstinence, Paul stood forth in the midst of them. All hope was gone. They hadn't seen the stars in several days. 
That's a very important thing for sailors to see because they navigate by the stars. The wind is blowing. The rain is falling. All hope is lost. And a man stands forward, a man who had spoke earlier, but they refused to hear him. But now, in the storm, they're ready to listen. May I say to you that God may be taking us through a storm so that he can prepare the hearts of people to be ready to hear his voice? And this is no time for God's church and God's people to remain silent. This is our time to stand forward and speak with boldness and with clarity and with compassion and the power of the Holy Ghost. And what did he say? Sirs, you should have hearkened unto me and not have loosed from Crete and to have gained this harm and loss. And now... I exhort you, be of good cheer. For there should be no loss of any man's life among you, but of the ship. In other words, nobody's going to get hurt, but we're going to lose the ship. For there stood by me this night the angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve. What a blessing. Must have been lonely on that boat. But God was there. Can I tell you that we're not going through the storm all alone? Jesus pilots our ship. And he has promised never to leave us nor forsake us. And if we'll listen in the midst of the howling winds and the crashing thunder and the waves that billow, we'll hear his voice. And he will say to us, it's okay. Fear not. Paul, thou must be brought before Caesar. And lo, God hath given thee all them that sail with thee. That was a promise from God. Oh, listen, it might just help us all to get back in this book and get reacquainted with God's promises as we go through the storm. Just this week, a reporter for the Huffington Post wrote an attack article against Christian schools. This article spoke of the curriculum that is used in many Christian schools across our country, including our own. Quotes were pulled. Arguments were made. Facts were cast aside. Conclusions were drawn based on an illogical logic. Pardon the expression. They concluded that the rioters who stormed the Capitol were inspired by curriculums that people like us believe and teach. Nothing could be further from the truth. But no one's interested in the truth. And the fact that that was published in a publication is beyond irresponsible. Those who publish such lies and deceits are interested in their own agenda. They're interested in financial advancements for 
secular education, and their agenda is to close the doors on Christian schooling and Christian education. And you better believe that is exactly what their agenda is tonight. And as I read that article, it greatly troubled me. It greatly troubled me. But then someone reminded me what God says about it all and that it's going to be okay. And so may God help us to be faithful to him. And so Paul, emboldened by the precious promises that God had given to him, says in verse 25, do you read it there with me? Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer, for I believe God. Can I ask you a question tonight? Do you believe God? Do you believe him? May God help us to look to him as never before. That it shall be even as it was told me. Howbeit, we must be cast upon a certain island. Apostle Paul, as I read this morning, wrote to Timothy and he said, All scripture is given by inspiration of God. It is God breathed, inspired of God, and preserved by God. We must hold to the divine truth. Now, here's what happens when they hold to the divine truth, when they finally open their hearts and their ears to listen to Paul's voice. I want you to note three things with me. First of all, number one, they stayed in the ship. They stayed in the ship. Notice, if you would, please, in verse 27. But when the 14th night was come, and we were driven up and down in Adria, about midnight the shipmen deemed that they drew near to some country and sounded and found it 20 fathoms. And when they'd gone a little further, they sounded again and found it 15 fathoms. Then fearing lest we should have fallen upon rocks, they cast four anchors out of the stern and wished for the day. They just want some light. They want the night to be passed. Remember, they've been in this storm for weeks. They want, they want land. They want dry ground. And as the shipmen, this is the crew, were about to flee out of the ship when they had let down the boat into the sea under color as though they would have cast anchors out of the foreship. In other words, here these guys are. They're pretending they're going to cast the anchors, but what they're really doing is trying to save their own skin by getting out of the boat with no concern for the crew. And the, and the people on board, rather. When Paul saw that, he said in verse 31 to the centurion and to the soldiers, except these abide in the ship, ye cannot be saved. Then the soldiers cut off the ropes of the boat and let her fall off. What's the point here? Abide in the ship. Stay in the ship. Stay in the ship. This is no time to flee. This is no time to get out of fellowship with God and his church. This is no time in the midst of these circumstances to try to remove yourself from them. This is the time to hold firmly to what you know is true, and that is the truth of God's word, to live your convictions. Listen, if we've ever needed the church, this is the time that we've needed the church more than any other time in the history of our nation, more than any other time in our lives. We need the church. We need to stay on board the ship. There's so many 
who need to get on board of it. And may God help us to sail on through. Many times we're tempted to become restless and careful in the storm. Filled with anxiety and stress, we begin to devise how we can escape the calamity we're facing. That's why so many churches have capitulated to the doctrine of the day. And they've traded truth for error to gain acceptance and comfort and approval. May God help us to remain firm and steadfast. Oftentimes when we go through the storm, we set out to deliver ourselves from the danger. But what we don't recognize is that the danger outside of the boat is far greater than it is inside. And so therefore, may we stay in the ship. Be faithful to God's house. Bring your children to the house of God. Read the scriptures to them. Let's serve God in these exciting days when the Lord's return is at hand. Let's be one of the the congregations of people who will remain faithful to Jesus. You say, well, I'm awful worried. Well, the apostle Paul has the medicine you and I need. Philippians 4, verse 6, be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God and the peace of God. Hey, you can have peace on board the stormy sea. The peace of God, which passeth all understanding. Oh, it doesn't make sense sometimes. It doesn't need to. What will it do? It shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. May God help us to stay on board the ship. May God help us, as Paul wrote to Timothy, to be a a partaker of the afflictions of the gospel, to bear them up and be faithful to him. So what do we note? We note that they they stayed in the ship. Here's the second thing. They were strengthened in the storm. They were strengthened in it. Notice again in verse 33. And while the day was coming on, Paul besought them all to take meat. In other words, eat something. Saying, this is the 14th day that ye have tarried and continued fasting, having having taken nothing. Wherefore, I pray you, take some meat, for this is for your health. For there shall not be a hair fall from the head of any of you. Now, you know, when you're going through things, circumstances, difficulties. Oftentimes you lose appetite. Can you imagine them on the storm-tossed sea? I remember my dad getting off a boat in Myrtle Beach when he'd been on the, on the, the, the waves of the ocean, deep-sea fishing with my uncle. I'll never forget when those two guys got back to the hotel <laughs> after spending four hours in the ocean. <laughs> they looked like sick little puppies. They got so seasick out there fishing. Deep sea fish. They wanted to go deep sea fish. They got sick. Can you imagine for weeks they've been on board this boat? Nothing to eat in 14 days? There's no appetite. They're weak. They're dehydrated. Listen, if there's ever a time that we need to be strengthened in the inner man, it's right now. The Bible said that we should 
that we should come together as God's people in Hebrews chapter number 10, not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. And he said, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. You've heard me say this time and time again, but in this day, we don't need to come to church less. We need to come to church more. It's not like, what is it, Brill Cream? Where a little dab will do you? You guys remember that? Some of you do. I heard those commercials when I was a kid. Yeah. Is that for hair, by the way? Brill Cream? I need more than a dab, don't I? They were weak. Christianity, churches, Christians are weak. Why? Because we're starving. We fed ourselves on the diet of this world. Now we find ourselves in a storm. What we need is the truth of God's word to sustain us and refresh and renew our soul. Look at verse 35. And when he had thus spoken, he took bread and gave thanks to God in the presence of them all. And when he had broken it, he began to eat. Then were they all of good cheer. And they also took some meat and were in all in the ship, 200, threescore, and 16 souls. That's how many people are on board this boat, 276. And when they had eaten enough, they lightened the ship and cast out the wheat into the sea. By the way, Jesus will give us more than enough. More than enough. Make sure you eat it. It's in store for you. It's there for you. Make sure you partake. You see, they were strengthened in the storm. What we're going through, God will use to give us sustenance. In Judges chapter 14, Samson was going to Timnath. And a lion, a young lion, roared against him. And Samson, filled with the Spirit of God, that supernatural strength that he received from God, he rent that lion in two. That lion was seeking to destroy him and devour him. But Samson, filled with the Spirit of God, defeated the lion. By the way, you and I have a lion that is lurking walking about seeking whom he may devour. Therefore, we must be sober and be vigilant. And we must resist him steadfastly in the power of the Holy Ghost. Sometime later, Samson goes by on that same route and he sees the carcass of the lion and he notices uh, activity inside that carcass maybe he hears the buzz of the bees and he sees that in that carcass the bees have built a nest and there's honey there and he sticks his hand inside of that carcass which he was not supposed to do as a Nazarite and he takes some of that honey and he tastes it and days later he'll give a riddle to the Philistines out of the eater came forth meat you see, the thing that we think is going to destroy us, God will use to sustain us. He will use it to sustain us. 
when Saul was leading the armies of Israel against the Philistines in his foolish and rash decision-making, he said, nobody can eat anything until the battle's over. Well, Jonathan didn't hear it. He wasn't there when the order was given. Later on, Jonathan joined up with the army, and it was through the hand of Jonathan that a great victory was won that day. But he noted as he walked through the wood, there was some honey there, and he took his rod, and he got the honey, and he tasted it. And the Bible says that he was refreshed, and his eyes were lightened. Listen, as we walk in the midst of the battle, as we walk through this weary world, God has all sorts of bread and provisions for us. Let's stay filled with the truth of God's word, and God will strengthen us through the storm. Let me give you the last thought. They were saved from the storm. You see, they stayed in the ship. May God help us to be faithful. Let's stay in this thing together. Uh, they were strengthened in the storm. God gave them the supply they needed. He refreshed them, invigorated them because he was preparing them for a swim. Now, swimming can be very vigorous activity, especially in a stormy sea. Notice it in verse 39. And when it was day, they knew not the land, but they discovered a certain creek with a shore into which they were minded if it were possible to thrust the ship. And when they had taken up the anchors, they committed themselves into the sea and loosed the rudder bands and hoist up the mainsail to the wind and made toward the shore. And falling into a place where two seas met, they ran the ship aground and the forepart struck fast and remained unmovable but the hinder part was broken with the violence of the waves. So now the ship is broken in two. It's driven into the sand. It can go no further. The waves are crashing, and the boat is broken into two. Verse 42, and the soldier's counsel was to kill the prisoners, lest any of them should swim out and escape. By the way, the soldiers would have been held accountable had any of the prisoners escaped. Verse 43, but the centurion willing to save Paul. Hey, listen, can I tell you something? God gave Paul favor with that Roman official. And God will always give his people favor with those who can help them. You remember when Joseph went to Egypt? Potiphar. When he, Potiphar, of course, took care of him. Then later when he was falsely accused and went into the dungeon, who was it? It was the keeper of the prison that had compassion on Joseph and took note of him. When Daniel was in Babylon and he did not want to eat the king's provisions, oh, it was the servant of the king that gave uh, favor to Daniel. You see, let me tell you something. God will always take care of his people. We just have to trust him. He will always give his people favor. And so the centurion had grown to really admire Paul, no doubt, willing to save Paul, verse 43, kept them from their purpose. Oh, I hope these truths comfort you. He kept them from their purpose. What was their purpose? To kill Paul. But God placed this man there to protect him. And he commanded that they which should that they which could swim rather should cast themselves first into the sea and get to the land and the rest some on boards some on broken pieces of the ship 
And so it came to pass that they escaped all safe to the land. Some of them could swim. And so they said, fellas, jump in and swim for the shore. There was a group that couldn't. What are we going to do? Grab hold of the broken pieces of boards and float on in. And I want to tell you, just when they needed it, there they were, like life preservers sent from God, broken pieces of the ship. Can I tell you something? When this old world breaks up, when this old nation is crumbling and falling apart because it has rejected God's truth, God is going to use those things to deliver his people and to bring souls to Christ. So we're facing a storm. I want you to know it's coming. I want you to know we're already in it. I want you to know the winds are going to blow more fiercely and the opposition will come but God will take care of us. You see, there was a day when God was going to destroy the world. And he said to a man named Moses, Noah rather, let me get it right. I think my wife wrote that part of the message. <laughs> Honey, I've told you. He said to Noah, I'm going to do something I've never done. I'm going to bring a flood. Now build a boat. And the Bible said Noah moved with fear to the saving of his household. What did he do? He built the ship. Can I tell you that Jesus is the ship? He has prepared it for us. And we who know Christ are safely inside. And while the wrath of God's judgment comes upon this world, those who are safely inside the ark will sail on through to be with him. God is going to take us through. So let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God. Believe also in me. Let's pray together. Father, help us as we sail into the troubled seas of this world to look to you and there find strength and sustenance. Help us to resolve to stay in the ship, not to jump, but to stay in. God, help us as a congregation, as a church, to encourage one another. Give us a spirit of love and unity, steadfastness and faithfulness to you. Help us through this time of this pandemic we pray for all of our church family that the day will come when we can all be together in one place, in one assembly. And until that day happens, may we continue to care for one another and check upon one another, to pray for one another, to love one another, to exhort one another. And so much the more as we see the day approaching. Father, help us to be strengthened as we look to you for divine provisions, and as we understand that the things that we see as threats and dangers, the things that we're concerned may consume us, may be the very things that you use to sustain us. And then, Father, we pray for the deliverance of many. We pray for our young people. 
that you would protect them, protect their hearts and their minds. We pray for our young families that they would remain steadfast and faithful. We pray, God, that you would deliver us through this storm and that you would use us to point many souls to you that they would be delivered. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together. Has God spoken to you tonight? I want to invite you to come and pray. Maybe you're here and you do not know the Lord is your Savior. If you died tonight, you have no assurance of heaven being your home. But tonight, God is speaking. And you recognize that you don't want to go into eternity without him. You recognize that you need him. I want to encourage you to come. There are people here who will take the Bible and show you from the word of God how that you can be saved. I want to invite you to come. Christians, are you filled with anxiety and care? Are you concerned? Are you burdened? Are you fearful? Cast your care upon the Lord Jesus, for he cares for you. Thank you for listening to this message from Tabernacle Baptist Church. We pray that God has used his word to speak to your heart today. If you'd like to learn more about the ministries of Tabernacle Baptist Church, you can go to our website, tabernaclehickory.org. That is tabernaclehickory.org. There you'll find additional resources that we pray God will use to be a help to you. If the Lord should lead you to partner with us or make a donation online, you'll find a link provided on the website at tabernaclehickory.org. May God bless you and thank you for listening.